Hour number two to get right. We're Reggie KG on 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. Yep. Larry Flores holding it down for you here on this Wednesday. And I appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app. The truckrate.com text line 877-881-1053. Which free agents should the Mavericks actually be looking at? We'll have some of that conversation as the NBA playoffs continue to roll on. At Kevin Gray Sports, at Reg Atatula. If you want to get at us on Twitter, it is 50 to 44 with 216 left in the first half between the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers. Boston up by six with the return of Joel Embiid, the league's MVP, back for the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll keep you up to date on what's happening in the only playoff game tonight. Basketball. Playoff and, basketball game tonight. Well, I was going to say in the association. Oh, okay, my bad. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, NHA hockey right now. That's right. The uh, Carolina Hurricanes up 3-1 to one on the New Jersey Devils in the third period, early on in the third period. Man, when I tell you I was staying up late last night watching all, all the hockey between the Stars and the Kraken, oh my goodness. the Lakers and the Warriors, I had got I went into my bedroom at about, oh, 8.45. Oh, you were like, we got, let's, start, let's start winding down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got to get up in the morning, you know, get the kid. Larry, you know, got to get the kid ready for, the, you know, for school in the morning. Wait, before we go, before we go any further here. Is that like typically when it's a light night game, you're like, I'm watching the second half in bed. Is that how that goes all the time? Yeah, typically. Okay. Because, you right. know, you're trying to spend time with the wife, you know, while still, you know, doing what you do, watching the sports, that kind of thing. So, fortunately, you know, watching the game in the bedroom. Uh, but, yeah, I put my, we put our daughter down for about, what, 8.45 last night for bed. Went to the room. I said, okay, cool. And chill. Watch the Lakers. Watch the Warriors. Watch the Stars. Watch the Kraken. Bruh, I turned out the lights in the bedroom. Now, mind you, my wife can sleep through, you know, noise, lights, whatever. I turned out the lights. It was like 12.15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I was I, like, I can't be doing this, man. 12.15. <laughs> I mean, that's that's typically my my around when I start getting ready for bed. But See, I, but you're I still different. a little bit of a young gun. No, so yeah, you, 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 yeah, you I don't have no that. responsibilities in mm-hmm, the morning. Because mm-hmm, so when that 6.30 a.m. wake-up call hits you, like a ton of bricks after you stayed up till 12.15 at night Nasty watching business. playoff games, yeah, man, that yeah. hits different. No, I understand. Like, mm-hmm. for, But I had that same realization. Um, I was dealing with some other stuff, which we can talk about later. Um, but... I was, you know, just watching the games, not paying attention to anything because my focus had to be where it was. And I looked up because it was just we were having a fantastic night of performances Mm -hmm. between Joe Pavelski, Anthony Davis and others. Right. Those were just the two main ones that I was like, yo, I'm locked in. I looked up and I was like, it's 1145. Actually, 1146. I remember the numbers. exactly. I was like, how did we get here? How is it this late already? Time flies when you're watching hoop. And hockey in the playoffs when it's that good as it was. Yes, Swaggy Booties. F these 850 starts. Yeah, there's also that. There is also that. The Man, late night starts can't kick rocks. We do need to get into these Mavs, and I, I do apologize for uh, further delaying it. But um, these hockey intermissions are simultaneously the best and worst things in the world. I've realized that in my very limited uh, postseason hockey watching, when you got stuff that you need to do, you're like, oh, thank God. I got a little time because it's intermission. When you're trying to get through this, like, I want to watch the entirety of this, you're like, how How are they? Why are you undressed? All right? This intermission. They if, do get if fully you got, undressed, don't they? get all the way undressed in the middle of this game? If you got time for that, we not, we're not moving along quick <laughs> enough. Let's go. Chop, chop. It's already 930. We need to go. It is funny that that is the realization for hockey players. They get to go fully undressed, pads off, Have everything. interviews, interviews. In the middle. Like, hey, man, hey, let's, let's go. We got time for all this, man. Get back on this ice, bro. <laughs> it got the nerd to have me up till past midnight watching these 
hockey playoff games. Y'all stop it. Well, the Mavericks not in the playoffs. Oh, okay. Yeah, just, oh, you know, right. had to make sure we reiterated that for everybody. Yeah, just in case you didn't notice. Just in case you didn't know, Mavericks not in the playoffs. But some conversation floating around throughout the course of the day, not only on 105.3 The Fan, but also on the NBA Twitter sphere. Right. About the idea of what the Mavericks could start to look like free agency-wise, given the fact that hopefully they're able to keep their top 10 protected pick because I don't know if you know this, but we are 13 days away from finding out whether or not the Mavericks are about to send a pick to Jalen Brunson and the New York Knicks or if they're going to be in the top 10, possibly drafting a fantastic talent or moving it somewhere else to go get a veteran to help out this Mavericks team and then wondering if they're able to keep Kyrie Irving after that. But apparently there's a sect of Mavericks fans, NBA fans, that are like, hey, apparently the Memphis Grizzlies told Dylan Brooks in his exit meeting, uh, under no circumstances, my guy, are you coming back to this franchise? Yeah, d- d- delete my number. Don't bother begging don't or pleading. Don't text me. Don't call me. Mm-mm. No pigeon carrier, nothing. Yeah, don't send me no Mm-mm. nothing. Leave your stuff at the door, and we'll come and get it. Don't even worry about coming into the facility. It's going to be locked by the time you get back or try to get back in here tomorrow. Not going to happen. So Dylan Brooks is not coming back to the Memphis Grizzlies. Which is kind of we, – we kind of got into this bag of like – Looking at the actual idea that, you know, such strong words got out, I, I fully believe that that was not intended to get be made public. After the series, when um, their general manager, I forget his name, my apologies, but he was asked about, you know, what about Dylan Brooks? Because he's a free agent. He was like, yeah, we don't want to talk about that at this time. We'll talk about it when it's time, right? So it seemed like they were trying to play this. And that was, I mean, really, you say that and we know what time it is anyways. Oh, okay, if you wanted to keep him, you probably would have said that. Zach Kleiman. There it is. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it made it apparent. But, like, this is one of those things where somebody got a hold of that information. They decided to report it. And I do not believe that this was necessarily the team saying we want this to be out there. That being said, um, this really caught a whole bunch of people's attention because he made he wanted to get attention. He gained garnered a whole bunch of attention throughout this season and particularly in these playoffs. And so that puts a, a very strong spotlight on him. But I, I think that also taints the way that we view him. And so now, him as a free agent, understanding that he's not going to be back in Memphis, what does he provide? What does he not provide? What are the strengths and what are the weaknesses? And when you look at it as a Mavs team that is constantly looking for guys that can maybe act as uh, your your first perimeter defender, um, that's something that the Mavs are interested in. And so Dylan Brooks pops up as a free agent possibility in that vein. So that's why a lot of people are popping up like, huh, would you be interested in this, KG? Uh, well, I pass it to you. Well, let me help you all out. I spoke to somebody uh, at the Mavs today about well. the idea of Dylan Brooks, whether or not he might be a fit here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. In so many words, hell no. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Basically, from what I've been told, look, he is not viewed favorably around the league. In fact, there are big questions about basketball character, basketball IQ, shot selection is poor. That shot selection is a big one. Yeah, shot selection is a big one, Um, which according to whom I spoke with said, look, that would not be a fit here in Dallas. And when you hear those things about, look, defensively they like him, but whether – And you should. And you should. But whether or not the young man can grow up, mature, 
show the kind of high basketball character and IQ that would be attractive to the Mavericks, they don't feel like that he is necessarily capable of that. And how radioactive he is right now, given the things that happened to him in the series against the Los Angeles Lakers, from what I've been told, not a fit necessarily here in Dallas based on those concerns that they would have about him. Here's my problem. And I look, I'm not saying that I definitively feel like this should go the other way. However, are you familiar with the uh, the saying, beggars can't be choosers? The Mavs feeling real beggarly right now, right? <laughs> with the way that your, you know, your assets are set up and your roster is set up. And so what you, you know, might term as, you know, oh, there's some issues that we do not feel great about. Sounds to me like an open box special. Right? Because awareness is something self-awareness is something that he clearly lacks that's what we start talking about when we're talking about the shot profile Mm -hmm. right he is and i need to double check this but i believe he is like a 30 something percent three-point shooter which in this day and a i know i know that there was points where being like a 33 percent uh three-point shooter was good in this day and age that is not good enough right let me and let me see if i can double check my information on this um but he takes shots at a far higher clip than somebody would as a 30-something percent three-point shooter. Uh, this this offseason, or this season rather, he shot 32.6%, and for the career, he has shot 34%, right? So he is not that level of shooter, but he shoots those, and that points to like a lack of self-awareness. Going out and calling out the big dog on the other team, right? Under like be, Even though you want to be some level of like Draymond Green, and then Throwing, the, throwing that rock and then hiding your hand when it's time to come and answer the questions after a loss. He sure couldn't be found. That's the lack of self-awareness. However, I wonder if this can serve as like an opportunity of growth. And if that's the case, you have an opportunity of getting what I again term as an open box special and maybe getting in on the ground floor or something that might be a little cheaper for what you need. Because again, you need to pay bargain prices to get what you need. Now, of course, the tough part about that is then you end up in the situation where there's a possibility of you getting lesser quality because you're trying to be cheap. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you don't want to do either. But I think that you've backed yourself into such a corner that I don't know that you could be so dismissive about it. We also heard reports about Dylan Brooks reportedly wanting $25 million. That coming from ESPN's Ramona Shelburne. I, he's not a player right now that you look at. Not going to be able to do it. According to you know what the league views him as, as somebody that you possibly want on your team at the moment, which gets us to... The conversation of what kind of free agents then should the Mavericks be looking at going into the summer, given some of the limited resources that they have. Mm-hmm. Dwight Powell coming off an expiring contract. Christian Wood, as reported by several individuals, not expected to be back with the Mavericks going into next year as well. What kind of profile of player are the Mavericks possibly looking at this summer? Well, they definitely need a big that can at least – pose a challenge to players in the middle right defensively maybe alter shots just somebody incredible resistance in the paint you definitely need that when you look at the free agent you know free agent list out here you know the likes of Nikola Vucevic is out there he's not an incredible defensive center um the likes of Brooke Lopez is possibly who is going to be a uh, free agent I don't Mm -hmm. know what we would take to get him and that guy's 35 Right, so I don't know how interested you are in that. Uh, and then when we start looking at it, Yaka Pertle is a free agent. I wonder if you can ply him away because that is that's a guy that actually does fit the type. But now we're starting to talk about possibly backup type bigs because Mason Plumley 
is going to be a free agent. And I don't know exactly how much money the Clippers are going to throw into that whole situation again, right? Those types of bigs are something that we're talking about, especially when you consider, like, we think Kyrie Irving's going to be back. There's not probably not going to be a ton of money maybe in that vein. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, what other things are you looking at? Because I think you still want to have the shooting necessary for this team, but you also perimeter defense needs to be something that you do. Yeah, and if I'm the Dallas Mavericks here and what we're starting to possibly understand about what this summer could look like because of the weakness that is the free agency class of 2023, what teams do you look around at the league that have a bunch of valuable assets that may be in a position where they're wanting to move on and maybe start over Toronto. Yeah, I was going to say Toronto Raptors, Toronto Raptors, Toronto Raptors. They just fired their head coach. Yep. Um, they've been, they've had this group together for a little while. There's no guarantee that Messiah Jury is going to be back either. Yep. Because there's flirtations with Washington possibly coming at the end of this season as well. But they've got a lot of lengthy 3 and D guys that I think the Mavericks need. Another guy that I think of immediately that I believe is part of this year's free agency class Jeremy Grant yep. from Portland. Now, I believe he's making around 18, 19. 20 million this okay, year. Okay, so yeah. So, so and you're going to have to up that. Exactly. Probably. So that would be the kind of player that you're looking at, a guy that could put the ball on the deck, shoot the three a little bit, but also is a high-level defender because they have got to get more athletic. They've got to get longer. and They've got to be able to defend better because if you're not going to have the kind of resistance in the paint that you want to have, you've got to be able to defend out on the perimeter and this team simply cannot do that you moved on from your best one that you had in Dorian Finney-Smith to try and get upside in offense and you couldn't defend a soul during the second half of the year really couldn't defend anybody throughout the course of the year to be honest with you so there's a restrictive free agent that I know because of his visibility right now um there's some folks in fact someone on the truckwreck.com text line I forgot the number um earlier was mentioning Rui Hachimura because Rui Hachimura out of college was an interesting prospect, and then mm-hmm. he went to Washington and got that wizard stink on him. But he has shown his capabilities as a guy that can stretch a little bit and that can get a little busy uh, on offense with this Lakers team. Now, he's going to be a restricted free agent again, so the Lakers will have an option of retaining him, and I imagine they might want to do that with the team that they built together. But if he comes free, is that somebody you're interested in? Uh, yeah, I would be interested in him. Um, but as you mentioned, what the Lakers have found in him – I think they'll want to keep him around a young, athletic, you know, wing that can do a multitude of things within the context of what Darvin Ham wants him to do defensively. And with Austin Reeves being discovered as a guy that will be around there, it appears as well, going to be getting his money, it looks like, this offseason as well. I mean, the options are limited for the Mavericks. That's why I think the trade market mm-hmm. is going to be huge for them and why, if you are a Mavericks fan, you are now hoping that that top 10 pick is protecting and stays in the top 10 because you have an 80% chance to keep that top 10 pick and possibly pair it to go get something that makes it much more attractive for teams that may be looking to move on from certain players to be able to help you in the immediate versus maybe trying to wait on someone if you draft them within the top 10, unless you somehow luck into the number one pick and get Victor Wimbanyama, which... Those chances yeah, that, are extremely slim. That'll help figure out some of your uh, some of your questions here, right? Like if you if you yes. can luck into. All right, let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, I think we understand that if they probably get like top four, they're probably like in that place where they feel good. But your second, third pick are probably like guards, or actually no, at least second. Right, Scoot Henderson is probably the consensus second overall pick. I'm not gonna lie to you. If that pick lands within the top three. Let's say it is three. You got a chance to get Brandon Miller from Alabama. 
Yeah, okay, there you go. That's my other guard. Do you feel do you feel good about keeping that or would you would you still want to utilize that and hopefully extract some value out of that? Because again, if you re-sign Kyrie Irving, you have Luka Doncic, you have a lot of guards here. And not saying that like positional value necessarily should dictate the way you do this. I'm yeah. just curious on that thought process. Because I understand the ease of applying Victor Wimanyama anywhere. If that pick is in the top five, I think that becomes very attractive to teams and you still would want to move that pick. Okay. Um, because you're talking about, you know, the likes of, as I mentioned, Brandon Miller, Victor Wimanyama, if you luck into number one. I just can't believe we're at this point where we're having the, even that discussion when it comes to the Mavericks. And from the 945, DeAndre Ayton is a name that's floated out there. Now the connection there is that DeAndre Ayton has the same agent as Luka Doncic, Bill Duffy. Uh, represents both of them. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton is a name that we've heard as well that possibly could be available. But again, another older name that in his early 30s, how much more do you want to take on that given what you're trying to do? Yeah, but Chris Middleton has shown the capability of being a really good defender at times. Mm-hmm. Although coming off the injury in this postseason, I don't know how how well I can evaluate him on that. Um, also, been a closer on a championship team. Like those are those are qualities that you cannot overlook, but it's also going to cost a whole bunch of money, and I don't know that you have that money available to you. That's, so yep. Then we end up in that uh, bucket of or that barrel of worms. Mavericks got a lot of work to do this off season as they try to remake some of their roster. It all starts in a couple weeks when we find out whether or not that top ten pick will be kept by them, or if they are sending it to Jalen Brunson in New York. They're going to send it specifically to, like, they're going to write it on the envelope, New York Knicks care of I mean, they let Jalen him, Brunson. I mean, they let him walk. Might as well give that to him, too. Okay. All right. <laughs> Coming up next on the Get Right, what are the biggest questions for each of the 32 NFL teams after the NFL draft, including this one for the Cowboys? We do it next on 105.3 The Fan. One of the biggest questions surrounding each NFL team after the conclusion of the NFL draft is the get right with Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula, yep. Larry D. Flores holding it down for you here. Really appreciate you joining us. However, and wherever you may be listening to us on this Wednesday night, we're also live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam and also on YouTube at 105.3 The Fan on YouTube. Make sure you hit the subscribe button while you are there. You can check out any of our videos from any of our shows, including our conversation with John Mashota of The Athletic last night, uh, breaking things down for the Dallas Cowboys in their draft. Speaking of the Cowboys, real quick, uh, did you know tonight was their uh, celebrity home run derby? Yeah, a little bit earlier, actually, in fact, because I know mm-hmm. that uh, Patrick Walker, our our friend, was uh, in it, and he, he was anticipating doing very well. It didn't seem like he did as well as he wanted, oh, but um, no. I felt bad because, oh, like, no. He was hyped. Like, he was tweeting about it all day, so. Oh, was he? Yeah, I need yeah. to see who actually won, because I think Pat Doney was coming in as the reigning champion. Positive Pat. That's I mean, my guy, man. Positivity make that ball go further. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I, it's something that clearly is always a good time that, uh, you know, a lot of folks get into. And it seems like a, a, a lot of new faces out there talking to uh, talking to the media. Uh, in fact, Larry, um, there's one. Stefan Gilmore, he was talking. And along with Brandon Cooks, other Cowboys were talking. And Micah Parsons also talking a little bit earlier today to Clarence Hill Jr. in Austin. My man's putting on some weight, apparently, this offseason. Yes. Because he's about to be a full-time edge, which is a real conversation. We're I mean, 
he's basically a full-time. I mean, he's basically, already. you know, that now. Yeah. But he went ahead and declared it today. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be a full-time edge rusher uh, going forward here, which we're like, oh, well, thanks for that piece of news, Micah. Uh, we'll get into some of that a little bit later on. But here, uh, Stefan Gilmore talking today. And here's something that when you hear this from any athlete, you just have to laugh just a little bit. Take a listen. I think I can still play. Um, you watched the film from last year, and you can see it. So um, last year was last year. And like I said, every year I turn the page, and I prove myself every year. So that, that's how I look at it. It looks like you were healthy. For that's part of the guys in a while. Is that was that part of it? Just find yeah, it for sure. I mean, uh, you know, you go you go through things in your career. Okay, now hold on. Now, I wanted to hear what Stephon Gilmore was saying, but clearly the music in the background was actually no. No, thank you. Um, but what he did say to the response to that last question. What was it? How was he feeling mm-hmm. going into this upcoming season? Mm-hmm. Was the fact that this is the best that he's felt in the last two to three years. Oh, that's always a fun time. Whenever <laughs> When an athlete hits you with, I'm in the best shape the of my life. best shape of my life. Let me tell you what that don't mean. <laughs> It does not mean that they are in the best shape of their life. Like, I don't know why it works like this all the time. All the time. But, and look, I I understand that that athlete is attempting to be earnest, but oftentimes it just reads like you lying to yourself. You trying to make yourself think that you are in the best shape of your life. Doesn't mean that you're in the worst shape of your life. However, it it also does not mean that you're in the best shape of your life. You were mentioning this earlier. Carmelo Anthony was doing this. Stayed on that best shape of my life, yes. Yeah, towards the latter part of his career. And it's just like, oh, I know exactly what that means. Yes, yes. Because, like, look, man, if you're in the best shape of your life, you don't have to tell us. <laughs> we see it. We know it. Right? DK Metcalf ain't out here like, I'm in the best shape of my life. Like, we get it, DK. We get it. Yeah, we see all the muscles. Yeah, it's we, cool. We get it. It's, it's, when, it's when you know people are doubting you and you might be doubting yourself. You're like, hey, look here. I just need you to know. I'm in the best <laughs> shape of my life. Well, good thing Stefan on that uh Final year of that contract because wow, you already getting him out of there. That's no, crazy. no, you heard that, Larry? No, you getting Stephon I'm Gilmore not out getting here. Stephon crazy. Gilmore out the paint. I'm just saying, I was cool with it until he hit us with, "I'm in the best shape of best my life." Shape of my life. Because we know what that's code for. Hope you hope you plays good football. Like I, me too. Because my thing about it is, I don't need you to be in the best shape of your life. Just get out here and play good football. I appreciate the uh, sentiment, 972. Glad that you get to hear us again. That's uh, much appreciated. The biggest question, though, surrounding each of these NFL teams after the NFL's annual selection meeting, a couple of ones that I found very interesting. Mm -hmm. One that was answered today, congratulations, Baltimore, because their question was, who is the Ravens' other starting cornerback? Well, they signed signed theirs today. Rock Yassin, apparently, is going to be their new starting quarterback. Uh, or his corner alongside Marlon Humphrey. So they answered that question there. Which does feel a little less incredible than what they had had previously, but that's just one of those you had previously been living a wealth of riches. Now you're just going to have to come back to a little bit normal. And you know what? Maybe Rocky Sin comes in and just plays, has a better, you know, best season of his career or what have, or have you, and they're in a better place. Uh, it also helps when you have an upfront that gets to the, gets to the, uh, the passer. So I'm interested to see... Um, what that pass rush does this year because they had a little bit of trouble with that to the start of, the start of last season. I love this one for the Cowboys because I find it pretty hilarious mm-hmm. because of what could happen. The biggest question surrounding the Cowboys. This is how you know you're in a good place when your football team when this is your biggest question coming out of the NFL draft. Who's going to be the kicker here in Dallas? I mean, yes, 
But also, it's, a, it's an important question. I mean, it is an important question. Because, I mean, how many times do we look up and we're like, oh, yeah, the kicker had a majority of the points on that team? And, like, uh, the instances where you are incapable of uh, getting in the end zone, right? Like, that three matters a big, big, uh, big deal. And also, look, we've been losing our minds behind them extra points, too. Like, this, this matters. Scoring those points matters. Um, and having somebody that you feel confident in matters a good amount, too, because we see the way that that can change your play calling and the way you go about things, and that also matters a good amount, right? Like, you can you can go to defense into doing dangerous things if they're like, yo, that kicker is good from 50 or 60, and so we have to play a little bit of difference. Like, it, it's, it's a thing that... We don't have a, like, genuinely, generally in our society, we don't have a respect for kickers. But, like, the ethos that they bring matters, funny enough. Yeah, because I would love to have Justin Tucker on this football team. Someone of that ilk being well, able to. Well, then can I interest you in a Mason Crosby? Ain't he 100? Or, like, 99 close to or something like that? Are you worried about age or kicking? Yes. Okay. Just, also, well, let me go check Mason Crosby because I, I, like, okay. I feel like I feel like that started started creaking on us recently. Like, like real talk, it? I think Mason is what 37, 38? 38 years old from Lubbock, Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that. I know y'all been floating Robbie Gold out there as well. You know, former San Francisco 49er kicker. Yes, Crosby was missed. That's the problem, right? He was missing kicks early last year, easy kicks last year. Yeah, we in that place where um, the kickers- was last season the Cincinnati Green Bay game. What a hilarity kept happening and then missing kicks in that game. I know it's been like a long time since the NFL season's been over with, but I feel like that game that happened this past season where Mason Crosby was out there in hilarity, or maybe that was two years ago. I don't know. Time's like a, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do at kicker at this point. But, hey, that's a good problem to have. They're going to have a competition, baby. Like, All that's right. that's what it's going to be, right? They're just going to get some guys. All right. That's basically what they did last offseason, isn't it? They got some guys in camp. Let them kick. And then eventually it was like, we going with this one, right? This is just going to be the one that we rock with. Because remember, we had my guy. Oh, my God. Jonathan Garibay. Garibay. He was so bad. He was hitting NFL network sets during training camp. So, remember, it was like three of them, right? We had Garibay. We had Maher. And then we had Liram Hiralahu. Hiralahu. I, I felt so bad for Liram Hiralahu. What's all he, he doing these days? All he did was pull up and knock down the kicks that he was supposed to. They were like, can you kick from longer than 50? Nah, but I can hit all these under it. And we're like, they were like, don't care. It does not matter to me. What was the name of the one kicker that uh, the Cowboys had that went perfect? He used to kick for the uh, the Chargers. He was here. Oh, Kai Forbath. Kai yeah. Forbath. Yeah, but he. I didn't feel good about him after forty yards. I'm not gonna lie to you. Light leg. And that's. It seemed Light like leg. what yeah. I learned last year is that. Oh no, we are here for the distance of the kicker. The accuracy is secondary. Hey, Maher may not hit it from forty. Hey, but he got you from about sixty-five. That's clearly that's clearly at least an organizational <laughs> mo, right? Like I, because again, the Liram Harlahu thing, I, I, it's kind of jokes, but it's also very serious. He was very good, accurate, but the distance wasn't there, and they never gave him the shot that I thought they were that, that I thought they might. Mm-mm. And so, like, they kept coming around. So we will learn a lot once we get to camp, because I imagine that's how this goes. They will sign a few guys, and whoever's got the leg with a decent enough accuracy will be your kicker. And I hope that that does not leave them in the lurch. The last one I'll get to because I find this one to be pretty fascinating when it comes to the biggest questions surrounding the NFL teams after the NFL draft, and it stays in the division with the Philadelphia Eagles. Did the Eagles find the cure to the Super Bowl hangover? This list obviously coming from ESPN. This is the one that Tim McManus posts who covers the Eagles for ESPN. 
did the Eagles find the cure for their Super Bowl hangover? Because they tried to do it with a bunch of dudes from Athens between Kelly Ringo, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, who they drafted just this year alone after mm-hmm. drafting the Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis a year ago. Oh, and by the way, they traded for DeAndre Swift, former Georgia running back on the cheap where they got him from Detroit to go along with Rashad Penny in that backfield there. Yeah, I don't know why that would be the cure for the Super Bowl hangover. Um, one thing I will say, they have made sure to invest in uh, in the line in the trenches. That's a Howie Rosen special. There's a lot of teams that have yeah. said they like uh, that they you know that the line matters to them. They have actually invested in that. That's the thing that I found to be interesting. That maybe is some level of cure for the hangover special uh, hangover uh, Super Bowl hangover, whatever mm-hmm. that actually means. Um, because the some of the smartest football people that I know point to the idea that the game at its very simplest is about blocking and tackling if you handle those things good things should happen and it's one of the reasons why going into this draft for the Cowboys I was like if they get them some some big uglies I will not be upset because again at its core this game is about blocking and tackling yeah Howie Roseman how knows how to fortify the trenches and he has done that to you know over the years, very, very well for the Philadelphia Eagles. You think about all the Hall of Fame offensive linemen between Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Cam Jurgens is on the way as a young and up-and-coming offensive line. My, a lot, they got a lot of guys yeah. on that offensive line. They've there. got talent. Now, the thing that's going to be interesting because they lost two coordinators is, like, what's that continuity going to look like? What's, mm-hmm. it, you know, the tactics of this? Will those shift and the way that those guys had played last season, will that will that add some wrinkles to the way that they have to go about things? And, of course, that's the beauty of the NFL and the beauty of sports. We will watch it play out. It's to get right with Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan from the 214. Did any of the uh, Grammatica uh, guys have kids that, or did they get kicked out? Remember the uh, Grammatica? Oh, yeah. Bill, Martine. Mm-hmm. They got kids running around. It seemed like everybody else got, you know, NFL sons running around these days. Yeah, we don't really have kicking dynasties, do we? No, we don't. Good point. wonder why that is. Hmm. I'll have to investigate that. Coming up next here on the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105 through the Fan. Oh, he pointed at me. That means I'm supposed to say something. That's right. Um, Coming up next, mm-hmm. as I continue to look for what I'm supposed to be talking about. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. Um, it's your creation. And kind of. Um, <laughs> Over the last 20 years, your team, or just any team, if you could give a team one do-over game, which would it be? We'll discuss it next on 105 through the Fan. If you could give your team one do-over game from the last 20 years, which game would it be? It's the Get Right with Reggie KG on 105 through the Fan. Kevin Gray, Reginald Atatula. Yep. Larry Flores on the down for here. Appreciate you joining us on Odyssey and the Odyssey app here on your home with the Cowboys and Texas Rangers. 105 through the fan live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dallas fan cam and on YouTube as well. Search 105 through the fan. Hit the subscribe button while you are there. Coming up at the top of the hour, NFL post draft winners and losers through the eyes of these 19 veterans, including this Dallas Cowboy. We'll get into that at the top of the hour, where apparently. Before we get into our conversation here in this segment, uh, a lot of Cowboys are talking tonight at the Celebrity Home Run Derby, including CeeDee Lamb about his contract, which we'll get into as the rest of the night goes on. But, yeah, a lot of Cowboys talking between Stephon Gilmore, Trayvon Diggs commenting 
on his contract situation as well. So the Cowboys at their Celebrity Home Run Derby dropping nuggets tonight. TruckRed.com, text line 877-881-1053. If you could give your team one do-over game from the last 20 years, which one would it be? Now, where where did this 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 come from? Were you just thinking about games and No, this is actually from um the college football subreddit. Where oh, okay. you know, obviously college football is a place where a single game can mm-hmm. change the entirety of the course of a of a school's year or maybe mm-hmm. even trajectory under a project for a you know head coach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was an interesting conversation. I was like, let's expand this out. I wonder how many different places you can go with this. And of course, for local professional sports, particularly in the big four, I know there's a, a, a few games in particular that definitely stand out as ones that were that were ones that you'd like to change. But I also wonder if when you're thinking about this, that you don't simply think about it from ones that felt bad or what, but maybe ones that could have been pivotal in a big way. Like what's the, what's the biggest return on investment on this single game that you do over? Um, so, yeah. Okay. Cause I know there's one that you want to go to. And uh. I also wonder if you feel that way, if it's like the entire game is a do over, not necessarily the game plays out just a little different that the entire game gets played again and only God knows where it goes from there, you know? Yeah. Um, you're also weighing in on Twitch as well. Twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam uh, from Swaggy Beauty. He's one of the Cowboys 49ers playoffs games over the past two years needs a do-over. Question is, which one are you picking? Are you picking this most recent one? I would imagine this most recent one because your, one team felt, your team like felt like a better team. Right, this like, year. Yes. It yeah. felt like you probably had a better shot of going deep. However, if you're going to pick a Cowboys game, there seems to be singularly one, especially for you, KG, because I think you also have a take that filters in with this nicely. Yeah. The the one. Yeah. There it is. Four, six, nine. Yeah. Multiple people have brought this up. Yeah. The Dez caught it game. 2014 divisional round game. Because I am firmly of the belief. Here it is. I saw if the Cowboys win that game. They go the next weekend to Seattle where they had already beaten Seattle on the road earlier that season, and they go on to beat Seattle to go on to the Super Bowl that year. I am thoroughly convinced that that 2014 team was going to the Super Bowl if the Cowboys win that game. You cannot convince me otherwise that that Cowboys team was not Super Bowl bound. Des Bryant, leading touchdown reception leader in the NFL mm-hmm. that year. Tony Romo was a top five MVP candidate that year. Balled out in 2014. Thoroughly convinced. Some people will come in with the 07 game. Obviously, you know, the whole Patrick Creighton, you know, the Giants, you know, all that. Uh, yeah. A few folks bringing up the uh, Seattle yeah, game. The Seattle game. The the mishandled yeah hold. yeah the mishandled game against seattle of course that will always live in infamy um but i think i think you're right also and especially if you believe like kg does that the super bowl was a shoe-in in that nfc championship oh man game. i'm not saying it was shoe-in i'm saying i had a lot of confidence that dallas was going to be able to go back there and beat seattle yeah, that's again what I said. on the road that's what i said <laughs> is that not what i said <laughs> Did I say something different? <laughs> you said a shoe in. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what you're saying, ain't it? I mean, I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, there it is, 817. Cowboys versus Giants playoff game. And Roma hit Creighton in stride, and he dropped it. Yeah, that that's a 
That's a big one. All right, so what I will say before we move on, I typically get on y'all for saying y'all doing it to yourself. This time I did it to you. So if you want to bring your anger for all of these yeah, why memories you bring up coming old up. Stuff? This is an old stuff, like, you know, bad memories this type time, of thing. This time I will take the responsibility for that. Uh, speaking of bringing up bad memories, oh, no. everybody taking this to 11, oh, 2011 for yeah, the Rangers. of course they are. Because not only, like, the tough thing about making this pick for that game six, if I remember correctly, yes, yeah. um, is does the whole game play out in a way where the Rangers win it? If you have to play the whole game over, and it's not just because you were down to mm. your final final strike, the final, final out. strike, right? Um, but I think that yeah, probably. I think yeah, probably Woo! you get to the place where you win that World Series. Strike. Yeah, that's that's the thing that about that that makes it so tough. It's not even just like yo, not the, we had it. Ugh. The game was over. It was done. Not even like we were. We had it in, you know, in the bag, and we were just had to finish it out. No finishing it. It was over. So yeah, I absolutely get how that one pops up, right? Like that's just. It's is this a is this a unique phenomenon, or is it just that we're close to it? Because it feels like the DFW got a lot of these particular games where I it's mean, just like this this one this thing. Well, I mean, just imagine the heartbreak. You go to back to back World Series. You don't win it. The Dez caught it game. 2016, Aaron Rodgers walks into AT&T Stadium when you had the number one seed with a rookie quarterback and yeah. rookie running back, and he victimizes you again. Then you got the Cowboys playoff game from just two seasons ago when, you know, they couldn't get a snap off against San Francisco. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Couldn't do that. You ended the back-to-back seasons with just nonsense plays. Against San Francisco. Uh, can I interest you in this one as we bounce around DFW sports? Let's go to the Mavericks. And I think you know where I'm going. Oh, no. 2006 Miami Heat NBA Finals Game 3, where you have a 16-point lead in the fourth quarter with about five minutes to go. Uh, Sorry, 13. 13-point lead with about six minutes to go. That's where I got my numbers messed up. And the Heat just battle their way back to make it 2-1. We understand in the NBA what a 3-0 series. Yes, it's done. And you had 13, he had a 13 point lead there. Dwayne Wade's 42 points, 13 rebounds carry you over, carry them over. And then they go on there. You know, you know what it is. Um, obviously, you win 3 0, you go 3 0, the Mavericks are. It's done. They win it, right? How does that change the way, like the entire trajectory of the Mavericks? If we're that much earlier in Dirk's career where he's solidified himself as an NBA champion. The organization, I, I don't know what, what this does for recruiting because recruiting was always an interesting question when it came to Dirk Nowitzki and the way the Mavs were. But do you have any idea if maybe that changes the perception around the league? Well, just think maybe about, they're able to build better teams yeah. throughout the course of uh, Dirk's tenure. Do they continue to like have? Do they get another guy in there and then have a dynasty of some sorts? Like mm-hmm. I, I just really ponder how that changes and shifts this because we talk about 11 and then immediately disbanded. What happens if you're able to build a little run up there with that team earlier on in Dirk's career? Well, just think about what happened the very next year. Dirk is the league's MVP. Yeah. Cause oh, it's his prime. man. It's his prime. And of course they lose to the, we believe warriors. And which the- is funny. Cause a lot of people have brought up that series, changing one of those games, hopefully switching the way that goes. And that's just that's really is simply because you want to avoid the embarrassment. Yes. But like if you win that championship at 06, that really can change the trajectory of the franchise, I think. 
And what's I tell people this all the time when it comes to the Mavericks and the Heat, especially that 06 series. The Mavericks lost the title they should have won in 06. They won the title. I believe they weren't supposed to win mm-hmm. in, 11. in 11. Because them taking out the Heatles in their first year of being together with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and well, Chris Bosh. That, that does speak to the idea that it's really tough to just like say we're going to put these these uh, foundational pieces in and we'll figure out the rest. Like That's not the easiest thing to go ahead and do mm-hmm. in year one. And Dirk did what he did, of course, taking out the Lakers and the Thunder. Like I mean, incredible. Incredible run by Dirk, um, who was being evoked quite a bit last night because of what Joe Pavelski was doing in game one yeah. of the uh, game against the Kraken. Uh, I love this one, though, from the uh, 817. The Longhorns. Yes. Larry, you you know about this yes. one. Yes. What year was this? This is 2009. Nine. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now he, wanted to, now he got something to say. Yeah, the Longhorns take on Alabama when Colt McCoy got hurt. Colt McCoy's dad yeah. took him out of the game. Okay, so Larry. Oh, you blaming it, his daddy for this? That's crazy. See, this is how this is the Texas hurt that I, I am tangential Yeah, because that to. came from a real deep place. Deep. <laughs> but because, Larry, you're on the mic, I'm going to do this. What is the thing that all Texas fans say about that particular game? If Cole McCoy doesn't get hurt, then then we beat Alabama. Right here, yeah. that's that's the whole premise. Yeah. That's the whole I've heard, premise. I've Play heard, this one more I've time. Heard nothing different from any Texas. I mean, because we were even even with Garrett Gilbert. It was Garrett Gilbert. Oh, that's right. Wasn't that that was that was freshman Garrett Gilbert? Yes. Two true freshmen. True Garrett freshman Gilbert. Garrett Gilbert coming and right off of late in Lake that's Travis. Had a crazy. Lead, had a lead. You beat Alabama. That was right. Alabama's first national championship. Oh, you could we could have curbed the whole dynasty. Yeah. I got a question for all Texas fans. I hope Bobby Bell's listening to this. He's not. Which one evokes more emotion? Oh no. Winning the 05 national championship or losing to Alabama oh. in the 09 title, given what was happening in that game. Winning 05. Yeah, you beat two Heisman trophy. I mean, okay, that's just okay. That, that, that's what I would think. Not, it was, yeah. it was, Alabama it, wasn't Alabama yet. It was like that's what started it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that was kind of the beginning of. Yeah. But just imagine if y'all had taken out Alabama before that whole, you know. But also the fact dynasty that. Dynasty got kicked off. The fact that Vince Young did it the way that he did it. Yes, the repossession he, of the of the, of the uh, Heisman. And the, fact, and the fact that Reggie Bush got the, the, the Heisman trophy yep. that year. Yeah. So it was like, oh, you know what? You got the Heisman? Okay, here. Housed it. Let Plus me, it was an incredible football yeah. game. That was full Hakeem David Robinson yeah. housing. In that game, incredible! Remember that one time game. when Hakeem yes. told David Robinson, hey, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, give yeah. That yeah." That's not that's not really yours. That's not yours. Uh, we did limit it to twenty years, but uh, on the Twitch chat, somebody mentioned how about the seventy six Super Bowl loss to the Steelers? Oh, if you wanted to take it back, um, there was one more that I had thought that was kind of old school, and I can't remember. Oh yeah, um, just for me personally, that year that uh, the University of Houston lost to NC State in the uh, in the Final mm, Four mm. or in the national championship game. I mean, I understand the Jim Valvano thing all happens, but you know, I would I would much prefer the University of Houston have a men's men's national basketball championship. But of course, nobody else cares about that. Well, you took me back on that 05 thing. That was my freshman year of college. Because how old am I? You 36. Yeah. It was just a great like those were the two best teams in college football that whole year. Like it was just a storybook season. Vince Young came to Columbia, Missouri. Oh, no. When Missouri was still in the Big 12. Oh, no. When I tell you. Oh, no. 
Vince Young took over that game in the second half. One of the greatest plays I've ever seen. It was third and 30. Momentum all on the side. Yes, momentum all on the side of my Mizzou Tigers. Vince Young, Larry, gets the ball, flushed out the pocket, scrambles, 31 yards on third and 30. I said, what the hell? And the best part about it is when he was running, it looked like he wasn't. Did not look like at all. Gazelle. He was just tearing your heart out, looking like he was going for a casual stroll. I said, they make these kinds of humans? Vince oh, Young. someone else mentioned 93 uh, National Championship game. Chris Webber timeout. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Anyways. Vince Young's so damn good. That was great. That was a uh, bad trip down memory lane on something. <laughs> Sorry. Still a fun trip, though. It's to get right. We're Reggie KG right here on 105.3 The Fan. Who are the NFL's post-draft winners and losers through the eyes of these 19 veterans, including this one? For the Cowboys, do it next on the Get Right.